0: Hey, man, you want to do a read? Whoa. I'm not into books. <laughs> <laughs> books are for crooks. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what isn't for crooks? No, tell me. Long-sliced beer. Hey. Have you ever had that stuff? I don't have loose lips, my friend. Oh. Well, maybe I do, because I have, and it's delicious. <laughs> I'm a, uh, I like the uh, hops de la vista, mm-hmm. which, is a, which is a delicious Indian Pale Ale. Mm-hmm. And um, you can pick some up at your local beer store. That's right, because it's a local beer. That's right. Mm-hmm. East End, baby. Enjoy. High five. Okay. You don't know what that was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's
1: good. Hi there. This is Greg Legro, And this is Jamie Dew of Fully and Completely. On. You're listening to. <laughs>
0: Welcome to Fully and Completely, a bi-weekly podcast, blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry, Greg. I just, I can't do it. I can't. It's about the Tragically Hip, so you know it's it's just great. If you are joining us for the first time, um, maybe hit pause and go back and listen to some of the prior episodes or stick around because you're not going to fucking believe it. We're sitting with Paul Langlois today. Hey, it's Jamie And uh, Greg will be joining us in a moment. I'm recording the introduction, but I really just want to get into things because it's Paul Langlois. (laughs) Are you fucking kidding me? Let's rewind. A couple months ago, I reached out to Mr. Langlois and he was very kind and gracious in his response. So kind and gracious, uh, in fact, that I thought it was the kind of um, gratitude or graciousness rather and kindness that was like, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. But no, dude, he he showed up we made plans for him to come over to Greg's house um, while he was in town uh, here in Toronto doing a show. And it was so fucking cool. I completely understand what Stephen Brunt was talking about now when he said, you know, like uh, Gordani is walking up my driveway because Greg looked at his window at one point and was like, I think Paul Langlois just got out of an Uber to um, <laughs> and he's at my house and we went downstairs and we, Threw on the headphones and we talked for a good little while i kept looking over to my left and i would see greg and then i would look straight ahead and it was paul and um you know it was such a trip it was so cool that he did this and he really let us in on a lot about his two solo records we talked about those at length of course Of course, we talked about the hip and we talked about his relationship with the band and and Gordon in particular. But the focus of the interview was definitely those solo records. So today we are going to um, I'm going to choose some Paul songs to play in between uh, interstitially in between our bits of interview. If you haven't got a chance to check out the two records, definitely go to wherever you get records from and either stream them or even do better buy them Uh, you'll get a little taste of them today and it's really fucking great music so you can't go wrong anyway I've talked enough I've got Paul Langlois on the other side of this song ready to um, regale you with some great stories so I'm going to get right into it and uh, thanks for for joining us today and always we love you so thank you for helping us um, do this awesome Okay. This is Paul Langlois on Fully and Completely with Greg and Jamie.
2: time i guess if i was looking i would find it's a broken road and it's too long All to know just what she means When she says just a friend is what she needs It's a broken road And it's too long a broken road, and it's too long, it's a broken road, and it's too long, it's too long, it's too long, too fucking long, too long.
3: How are you doing i'm doing well thanks for having me over thanks for doing this podcast actually anytime yeah keep the dream alive yeah
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) we were shocked to find out we were the there 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 wasn't a podcast about the band um we we were you know flirting with this idea for a couple years Mm -hmm. and uh we finally sat down you know last year to start recording and uh it's you know it's just been it's been a whirlwind um you know, you guys are very popular. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's
3: good. It's nice to be the only one doing something mm-hmm. like that.
0: Yeah, it works out. Yeah. My my first question right off the bat is your record label, uh, Ching Music. Yes. What what does that mean? What what does Ching <laughs> Music mean?
3: Well, or where did um, it come from? It's uh, it's actually while we were uh, talking earlier before we started this. Um, I started that label to um, facilitate putting out uh, Hugh Dillon's first solo record, Mm -hmm. Um, Hugh Dillon of the Headstones. Um, The Headstones had broken up, and he was looking to, you know, he had other songs and wanted to record them, so I produced that record, High Cost of Low Living. And, um, you know, we didn't take a big stab at the major labels at the time. but you know, I was just thinking, okay, well, we can just put it out of ourselves, so I created Ching Music. And um, Ching used to be my name as a kid for some reason, it was my nickname. <laughs> and um, but mostly it's smoke and mirrors. I mean, mm-hmm. I a, a bunch of records have come out on it, but it's really um, it's really just me, and um, I really hate the red tape involved in getting a CD, yeah. out. I mean, there's just so much. Uh, you know, you just got to check all these things off and fill in the lines, and it's a lot of time on the computer and with artwork and all that. Um, so that's my least favorite part about it. But <laughs> uh, it does. Um, you know, I managed to get a few records out that way, a couple of mine, and um, some of just you know songwriters that uh, I was a fan of. So um, yeah, it doesn't really um, it doesn't really exist in st- it, it, except inside my brain <laughs> and um, yeah so I just keep it keep it up there yeah. I'm not looking for any new artists or anything like that right, it's, right. it's just something that I lug out of the closet if someone convinces me they want to record Yeah, and I think if I ever did another record I wouldn't put it out on Chang I'd put it out on Cheng, but I'd probably ask for for more help right? secretarial mostly mm-hmm. administrative
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so from a production standpoint, was that something you were always interested in? Um, like when you, when you, when you did without the red tape stuff, you mm-hmm. know, without the secretarial stuff, the, the, the productions piece, like yeah, in the I studio, mean, was that something that you've always had a,
3: well, I, I wouldn't say always, but over time, you know, we, we, um, we always had a producer produce the hip except for one record that we did ourselves trouble at the Hanna house, um, with Mark Freakin. who was our sound guy, but, um, we always found um we needed a producer, just someone to break the tie because we were such a, you know, consensus sort of group, hyper democratic mm-hmm. and um sometimes it was tough to um get consensus, so the producer might break a tie on a yay or an A on a song or something. So over time, um, watching these producers, you know, a lot of nut bars um, but you know very good in the studio <laughs> yeah. really so it was really only over time and more and more experience in the studio and then we actually uh created a studio the bathhouse, where it was like oh okay yeah i think i could help someone yeah um so um yeah with huey it was um you know i felt like i could help with the songs and that was my first try at it and i enjoyed it uh, you know i i enjoy doing it i'm not um Ambitiously looking for it, but um, whenever I've done it, I enjoy it. Until you're actually done the recording, you got to start the right the administrative stuff. But uh, <laughs> and it's our studio, you know, the bathhouse. I love being in there, and um, you know, it's not like uh, I think I'm really good at it. I, I just, you know, I I think I know how to uh, listen to music uh, through other people's ears and just mm-hmm. try and help someone get closer to what they're going for.
1: That's nice. really cool. Did you record the first solo album there as well? Uh, Fixed His Head. Mine? Yep. Yeah.
3: Yep. And yeah. that was um You know, we were in a um various times in the hip, but um I began recording when Gord had done uh his first record, a mm-hmm. uh, first solo record, uh Coke Machine Glow and then um I think he was either touring that or or doing his uh, had finished his second one and was touring that. And I was just kind of getting ready because uh, just um, you know recording stuff in my basement um, for the next hip writing session kind of thing and um, and it was bothering me I had a couple of friends around Kingston that um, you know we had begun to have campfires around because we got a cottage and you know a couple of guys like had these songs totally finished and I had a whole bunch where I'd started some lyrics but you know ran out of steam on them and um, so I had little bits and I went into Bath um, just when we were off and I think Gord was out on the road started recording and then I thought well I've always wanted to drum it was just me I always wanted to drum I played at home and, and then just gradually it was like okay well why don't I just sing and Finish these songs and, yeah, yeah. and, that play, kind of and
1: thing. play every instrument on the album too. Yeah, 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 no yeah. problem. But it was, it was just a little
3: bit. Uh, and and again, that comes from I wasn't born that way or anything. It just yeah. comes from a lot of time, yeah. experience in the studio. And um, so you know, if you can play the guitar, you can play the bass. No offense, bass players, but <laughs> you, you know, you, you can cobble yeah. something together. And, yeah, yeah. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, it was decent, decent enough drumming for my ears so yeah um that's yeah.
1: actually one of the things i like the most about the album uh many things but wow. i quite like the drum sound on it oh thanks there's a nice energy to it there's a, a track one in particular there's just a great little shuffle going on there that i have a uh, lot of yeah. tempo. and i really like the sound you got great tone out of the drums so.
3: well broken road what i did with yeah, that yeah. one is because uh, that's a tough little beat I, yeah i just stared at a <laughs> um you know i had me playing guitar yeah <laughs> um, and singing, so I was listening, and I added the drums sort of after. Um, and I just stared at a spot in the ceiling because it was so repetitive that I was going insane. And <laughs> so I had the engineer, Aaron Holmberg, who uh, helped me with that record. It was just me and him. Mm-hmm. Quite a lonely experience. I just said, just just leave and just loop, loop the song. Mm-hmm. So I just played it, I don't know how many times, I probably probably 10 times until I finally got a version where I didn't make a mistake. Right. And I was like, okay, I got it. So nice. I just run in and push the space bar.
1: <laughs>
3: so, but thanks, thanks for saying so. Yeah. 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 I, I haven't drummed since. Oh, really? That record. No, oh, that's a shame. Now another guy I'm has fine my, drummer. my drum kit and I yeah. uh, just haven't, but I was able to get that off my back.
1: Nice. Nice. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. I thought it was cool. I read on the website today that you, you, you didn't, realize you were making the record until like the third session that you went in like uh, I think you say on the website like you went in in September for a couple days yeah and then you were like I guess this is uh I guess this is happening mm-hmm. so
3: yeah I was uh, it was almost it wasn't like yeah, I was whatever I was shy about it or something and um it just was an idea that um took me a long time to get my head around but when I was listening when I did the first couple of sessions you know I had four or five tunes and it wasn't bad you know i'd whatever be driving the kids somewhere and waiting outside and i'd uh put the headphones on and the stuff i recorded and it was like oh, okay it doesn't bother me <laughs> uh, my voice didn't bother me so i just thought okay well you know there's nothing better than a deadline to um get it done and i knew that we were going to be um getting together soon enough with the hips so i just went in and um, recorded the rest and with that deadline i was able to you know, I think it's the only thing. I look back, you know, I've done two solo records. I have no idea how I wrote the lyrics. No <laughs> idea. Because I don't write things down and, you know, take a little note. Gord was great at that, obviously. Um, but he was great at, at uh, working at it. And constantly, any idea he would just, right now, if he had an idea, he would... you know jot he'd, he'd jot it down. Oh, wow. Stop what he's doing. And um, I had never done that. But something about the deadline... I just had to think of things to mm. write about. And yeah, there's, gr-
0: there's some great lyrics on it. Like the, mm-hmm. um, no, the, the song that you played in Kingston last week. Um, and
3: I oh, yeah. Uh, things We Should Have Said.
0: Yes. I
2: know that there is nothing I can do To make you know me any better there's all that time and those things that we've been through I think it only have been different if I just had said to you and made it true You can take a chance but before you do You should know that I'm lazy, and I'm tired But in a crisis I'm stronger than the fire Best not to inquire. I've never had that much ambition. I can be a little dire and I'll slash a tire, but you can take a chance if you desire. I guess I'm feeling like I should have said these things back then, and maybe you were thinking that I was better than I. All things I should have said I'm possessive And I'm jealous And I'm snide I get threatened And tied up all inside I won't run away But sometimes I will hide Away into some place That only I can find And I've never cried You can take a chance if you decide I've been beat up and wrestled to the ground I will be the toughest fight that you have found But I will love you too and I'll turn you all around Turn up the heat and I won't turn it down Or make a sound You can take a chance pound for pound I guess I'm feeling like I should have said these things back then and maybe you were thinking that I was better than I am and though I know you've been loving me you may have been misled so these are all things I should have said I can share a thing But I can take what's mine And I get defensive when I can't compromise And I may not seem it, but I can cross the line And make you feel like I am leaving you behind But I hope you'll find That you can take a chance on me sometime you can take a chance on me sometime. Can't you take a chance on me this time?
0: I love the the um, the lyric about uh, if you turn the heat if you turn the heat up, I won't turn it down. I won't make a sound that's a true just, thing that's just so great like I think of I think of I just think of my wife and I like battling over light we don't control the heat in our house we're yeah. in an apartment but battling over light switches like just the silliest things that you battle over and uh yeah yeah, yeah. That's, there's a there's a bunch of great lyrics in that song you know slash tire and
3: yeah well <laughs> thanks it was sort of um I mean with the particular with I won't turn the heat down but it's I mean, the only other person I know is Gord Sinclair who could, uh, and me, could win a war of attrition. I mean, you could put us, you know, no, nope, I'm not hungry. No, I'm fine. You take it. Yeah. Um, so that kind of thing. It's like, you know, yep, turn it up to 80. Right. right, I'll just sweat it out. Uh, and that particular time, I remember, um, you know, I wasn't, it was just Aaron and I there. And so... You know, I love Aaron. He doesn't work at the bathhouse anymore, but he actually works at the Vader Center, uh, where I oh, played okay. that song. Oh, great. He's at a production there, so he's, oh, wow. he's turned out great for him. Uh, but it was just me and him, and he had a girlfriend that, at the end of the night, like three in the morning, she worked in a bar. She was the only person that we could play it to, because we just record. And, and anyway, it was fine, but I was starting to get depressed, like, just like, eh. You know, starting not really like myself, and uh, so that song just came out all at once. I was thinking about my wife Joanne, and and just like uh, yeah, I'm I'm sort of a bit. I drank a little too much that night, and so mm-hmm. it was the next morning that um, I recorded it with Aaron. I was like, I don't know what this song is, and Aaron was like, No, oh, I really like it. Just it's you, yeah. You should keep at this, and um, so I was when it was done, and I accepted it, and I liked it, and I was able to. You know, squeeze in some uh, lyrics that I liked. Uh, you know, I told Joanne that, hey, I finally, we had talked about I finally wrote a song about you. And she listened to it, and she's like, this is about you. She's like, like, you say I and me about 50 times. So it really is true but I was thinking of her. And what a pain in the ass I can be. Oh, that's
0: wonderful. That's one of my highlights on the record. So when you, when you brought that out last week, I was just like, Yes. This oh, is great. Oh, yeah.
3: thanks, yeah. But I rarely, rarely play that song. It's a tough one to play for some reason, for me. I just get shaky or something. And, well, it's pretty uh,
0: personal. Like, I mean... Yeah,
3: it's, uh, yeah, it kind of shakes me a little bit. Yeah. So my voice gets shaky, and I try and... I tried... I was nervous anyway. I got through it. But, you, didn't, um, you couldn't tell. I don't feel like I've ever nailed it, except when I recorded it.
0: Oh, wow.
3: But um, then again, I've only played it three times since, so... I'm 0 for 3. I'm really? It. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just don't get the opportunity to play. I don't look for opportunities. I mean, these days, I, I'm, uh... Joanne runs a lot of charity events in town, so it, yeah. it feels like I'm playing
1: right.
3: her events all the time. Oh, I got another one next mm-hmm. Thursday. Uh, you, you just have to play two songs. Oh, okay. I mm-hmm. guess I'm doing it. <laughs> uh, and then other little opportunities come along, but sure. I honestly don't look for them.
1: Yeah.
0: So going, going back to songwriting for a second, Mm. I'm curious what it must be like to be in a, you said, like very democratic band where you guys, you know, brought ideas and and fleshed things out. Uh, And then all of a sudden, you know, you're three sessions in or four sessions in and you've got this record almost ready to go. Like Mm. looking back, you know, what, what is that process like where you don't have, because the first record you did do everything, um, like what what was that like not to have sort of someone to bounce it off of yeah yeah
3: Yeah, it was um, well it was a new experience and um, you know I I would always have um, those guys in mind um, what they would think you know so um, you know I would have that in mind I think we all did if you brought an idea to the band you have a guess as to are they going to like it or not and so Mm -hmm. you pick the stuff that obviously you pick your because you'll get three chances in a writing session because you know literally went around the five of us each put one in and we'd probably do that three times and some would stick and some wouldn't and um, so I would have uh, had those guys in mind I also had uh, you know I didn't want it to be like the hip and I know that that would have been kind of impossible um, for any of us, you know, uh, even like with Gord solo stuff. Like, it's Gord, and Gord's in the hip. And <laughs> so, of course, he can't not sound um, somewhat like it. But you can bring your personal sort of uh, tastes and sensibilities to it. And so, uh, But I would reject anything that was too much. But there are a couple songs on Fix's Head, like, you know, Gord said to me. At some point, years after that came out, <clears throat> he said, um, His Head would have been a good hip song. I mean, <laughs> he didn't give, give that. And I was like, Well, I, I, I hadn't. I just came up with it in the studio, and I was like, And we weren't getting together, and, you know, and I had lyrics. Because um, that sounds a little bit in the vein. I just tried to to do it naturally by myself. And really, I think it helped with Fix his Head, um, that it was just me, that I wasn't really... I mean, Aaron seemed like any uh, anything and everything. and um, So it was interesting. I mean, you know, my second record I did with a band. Yeah. But for some reason, I didn't look for a producer. I just felt like, okay, well, I know myself. Mm-hmm. Could be a mistake. I mean, I don't know. It's it's uh, because producers really help, you know. They they can really help you, just like any a director or whatever. It's like, you know, this is uh, it's so great, but you know, maybe try this little thing. Right. Didn't have that, but uh, but I had strong band members. Robbie being. How did
1: did that come about? the transition to putting a band together for the second album, Um, was it? uh, Uh,
3: I had resisted. I I would say Robbie, um, fixed his head when I was nearing the end of it Mm -hmm. um, he gave me feedback quite a bit yeah I dropped a little CD it wasn't mixed or anything right and um, you know he wanted to play on it and I was already like I was 95% there and I was just like oh if I did so he was not offended and he understood just I'm I'm there so um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go with it Mm mm-hmm so then, when it came around again, I certainly had Robbie in mind. I think we maybe played a show, a Paul Langlois show,
1: Right.
3: and he wanted to play with me. And yeah. um, so it kind of went from there. And I had a couple other friends that um, were interested uh, in playing. So yeah, I I I was really um, I I, di- I didn't really feel like uh, it was the right way to go at the time. But when we got together and actually. Were her songs that I'd kind of written already, um, I liked it, yeah, and so then decided that let's make this a band, right? Effort.
1: I and mean, it was the uh, the recording process then and uh, finalizing the uh, the cuts on the songs, was it more of a was it a democracy again, or were you in a position of kind of guiding the ship for everyone? <clears throat>
3: um, oh, geez, I don't know, I, I, I think, um. None of them would hesitate to uh, say what they think, and, and that's the situation <laughs> yeah. that the hip had. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was I was uh, leading the way, and, right. and I was spending t- the time with um, the engineers. Yeah. I had two engineers, Aaron Holmberg and Niall Spencer, who is now the engineer in Bath. Mm-hmm. So I had both of them. Um, Aaron was had left uh, Bath on other things, but I was comfortable with his drum sounds and and -hmm. just his sort of vibe so they worked together on it and um and i would spend the time with them um you know as we zeroed in on um you know the vocals really right you know because they're getting everything uh right so uh yeah my um i mean it's a while ago yeah um I haven't listened to them in a long time, but um, oh, I'm great. happy i oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm happy I did it, because yeah. it turned out it was it was certainly a monkey off my back, yeah, that I didn't really know was there, It just gradually started bothering me sure this guy Jim tidman that I produced a record for you know he'd had around the campfire and be like finished songs, and I'd be like, jeez you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a loser <laughs> uh so yeah, I think uh. I was just happy to finish some songs. Yeah. Don't know how I did it. I mean, there's people now, you know, that the hip aren't um, the hip anymore. Um, people have been saying, yeah, you going to do another one?"
1: Yeah.
3: And you know, I'm just thinking, "Wow." I, I don't know. I mean, I don't have any songs. Mm-hmm. So there's a first problem. Um, I don't have any songs that haven't been rejected. <laughs> you know that I rejected for one of the first two. Right. So it's a start from scratch. Thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I might down the road. But, sure. But um, those two records are the only evidence that I can do it yeah. in my head. Well, that's pretty good evidence. So, well, yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks.
0: I have a question about, you're talking about vocals, and you're, you're obviously very well known for your vocals, mm-hmm. for your backup vocals in the hip, and um, you know it's a, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's a big thing. Backup vocals in the song Confidences. Um, unfix yeah. oh, my head yeah is that you it is You yeah. so yeah. harmonizing with yourself there
3: mm-hmm. that, yeah which i've always sounds dynamite oh thanks, yeah. <laughs> thanks. That's, i don't no, want that this to, to, to just do. be like
0: us just loving like these things that you're saying <laughs> oh my gosh this is great like one of those chris <laughs> farley interviews or whatever but <laughs> but dude that is like wonderful i listened to uh, i was listening <laughs> to that and i was just like because it doesn't it doesn't sound like you like it it does but it doesn't you know mm. like you did a really great job there
3: oh thanks, thanks. Yeah it would be something I would have an aversion to, you know, someone doing their own backups. But core mm-hmm. did it a few times um, with similar feelings, just like, ah, should I be doing that? Something. I mean. <laughs> uh, but I was the only one there. So it was kind of just because that was Fix His Head. Yeah. And I just thought, you know, that song's so deep, you know, I forget how it goes, but um it just seemed to me like it needed a higher voice. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but thanks, I just think so. Yeah.
2: While she sleeps her days are younger Confidences slip right under bridges she has crossed A time before when she had tossed Her bed out on the doorstep And on the floor she lay and wept The secret she had sold Then she got tired and she got old She says don't believe what you have heard Don't believe it may be true And you can get what you deserve When it's standing right in front of you And you can take the St. John's word But there's not a lot you're gonna do She ain't going home again No way going home again She says how my light shines When the room is dark And the night is still You could be mine You even... Back then he used to love her John's word, but there's not a lot you're gonna do. He ain't going home again. No way going home again. He said, How my light shines when the is starts.
1: question um when you got robbie coming out in that you talked about uh, recording with you dylan and putting the label together to you know help him out with that first record and then you know with uh, strippers union there's a connection to the odds and there's I, so we're, I was sort of curious because we all kind of you know you, you you get kind of into all of these bands was there a community amongst the uh, your peers, the other you know guys, uh, Skydiggers and Blue Rodeo and the Odds, what, did, did, was there a sense of camaraderie, um, being the you know the Canadian heavies? I would say so. Yeah, um, I think it took a while.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, certainly um, with the Skydiggers, we um, we knew them early on. Mm-hmm. Um, Gordon and I played in this Monday morning hockey game intro when I lived in Toronto. Uh-huh. So this is about whatever it was, twenty five years ago. Right. A uh, game that I believe still continues. Um, Cuddy plays in it. Oh, yeah. I love calling him Cuddy. Um, <laughs> sorry, Jim. Uh, and the Skydiggers, Josh and Andy, um, we knew well, and we were yeah, we we're all in the same game. It wasn't like a competition or anything. You no, know, no. We, we there, there was, and the odds. You know, we toured with. We, we were mm-hmm. um, took them out a couple times or a few times, and so yeah, I mean. Uh, we know them all well and I think um, you know Robbie and Craig Norley um, from the Odds um, they struck up obviously a few conversations and, and made a decision to work together and write songs together mm-hmm. and um, yeah all that kind of stuff happens pretty organically you know um, Sinclair with you know working with the Trues I mean I would mm-hmm. call him the, the producer in the band Um mm-hmm anyway yeah you, you sort of uh these things ha- happen naturally but mine are sort of a circle of friends in Kingston mm-hmm. um that I've uh worked with a lot you know um and just because they're guys I like and I think they're unsung and yeah. um and I'm very comfortable that way so I haven't done too much crossover but you know I played with Skydeggers last night and right. and uh a few weeks ago and once last year and that's um a lot of fun just because we've known each other so long and i'm glad to see them doing their thing uh so well again Mm. so yeah there i mean there is a sense of community you're in the same sort of thing but because we were from kingston
1: right
3: it took us a while to sort of you know we would come into toronto but we wouldn't spend too much time to come in by the horseshoe or right before that the hotel isabella and um we felt like it was us against all the big Toronto bands and Vancouver awesome. bands and that yeah, kind yeah. Of stuff. <laughs> uh, but then gradually, you know, as you get a bit older and I'm a bit more kind of mature about it, it you yeah. become friends with all these people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but fans of all of them for sure. Oh yeah. And Blue Rodeo would be more specifically. You know, we were at very similar levels, yes. very similar time. Right. Jim had gone to Queens bartended at the curling club so did I um, oh, well. I didn't know him but at different times sure. we found all this out right. as um, as yeah, we got no. to know them nice. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and we would run into them you know we ran into them out east and had one night uh, together with uh, I think it was just Jim and Greg Basil mm-hmm. might have been there but um, just in a motel room mm-hmm. you know just shooting the shit and, and sort of uh, giving each other our band's life story at that point and that was probably right. we were probably each like Maybe six years in, right.
0: seven oh, wow. years in.
3: So, <laughs> um, yeah. And ever since, it's always it's always great to see anyone like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because I guess Outskirts came out the same time as the as the self-titled EP, right? Eighty-seven. Uh, yeah, I would say. Yeah.
3: Yeah. 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 yeah that's really cool.
1: Yeah.
3: And we would hear about them, and I'm sure they heard about this. And Bedini, you know, at real Statics, mm-hmm. you know, he heard about us too, obviously, which he's written about. And um, so you'd be kind of like. You know once we were hilarious but we were in england um at the columbia hotel and everyone all musicians stayed at the columbia hotel i think it was our first or second time there and uh, the bar would stay open if if any in the hotel lobby if anyone was drinking they would just stay open um till the last person left and the bare naked ladies were we walked in the the lobby area and there's a bunch of tables and the bare naked ladies were sitting at one table we I never met them and we looked over and either Ed or Steven sit up and, or Tyler probably, sit up and said hey, you want to fight? <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, that's pretty funny. Because <laughs> there's always this sort of you know I'm sure it exists today you know with young bands are up and oh, coming you've yeah, heard yeah. about them and it's like okay yeah. so it takes you a while to warm up to each other <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: great speaking of young bands you did a you did a number last week with Rex from the Arkells. Uh, with Max Max yes. oh I said Rex didn't I no Jesus. problem um, that was uh, that was great how did that come together
3: Um, yeah I mean I think I got lucky because I, I didn't I, I don't feel like I was quite Practice enough or necessarily suited it but um, it went very well and um, yeah I mean we uh, took the Arkells on a tour and uh, they were great and did great Uh, Max has been very um, very good at what he does obviously Uh, but he's been very kind um, to my daughters who want to go see the Arkells and you know he'll come out and see them backstage and he's just very um, they all have been. Uh, so anyway, I think he got word about the show or maybe word got to him. And um, as far as I know, he said, well, I'd love to do Relentless with Paul because he had said that um, that he got um, a lyric from it out of something I said. And it was after the Arkells played in Kingston. They came back to our place after the show. And, um, you know, we were just... Uh, talking and stuff and just talking about Gord and you know um, his you know his desire and motivation to to actually come to be so sick and, and get that tour done mm-hmm. uh, it was amazing to watch so I said like a dog on a bone I mean you know many people have said it uh, about many other things but just that he was relentless about it or I, I don't think I said relentless I don't know anyway so uh, I think Max connects to me with that song a bit and um you know so i heard the idea i was like yeah okay i'll do it and then you know and i had heard the song but you know until you sing along with the song you don't really get a sense yeah and it's like really high
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know it's just
3: um which is impressive and uh he's a force and um anyway i was able to find a part kind of underneath where I was okay, I'm kind of comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually dropped it down, let's be honest dropped it down three steps, so a <laughs> uh, key and a half, well three keys anyway, so uh, as a favor to me, and he still sounded really good. And uh, yeah, so it was fun, and he's just a great guy that way if he has time, I mean they're really busy, but he came down, that was a charity for, for Hospice Kingston, they're trying to yeah. build a oh, nice. residential one and um, so really nice, he took his time comes down from the hammer and uh, nails it and goes home, but I was saying to someone after, you know, and he was happy and I was happy, and we both got a lot of good feedback that night. And um, I was saying to someone, yeah, he's a real force, sings really loud, like, because it was our first time really doing it. When you're doing it live, it's different than sort of practicing backstage yeah. or whatever. It's uh, really loud, quite a force, and whoever it was said. Yeah, well, I think you're a little used to that, aren't you? <laughs> you know, singing and playing beside a force. and it's like, yeah, actually, I am. <laughs> yeah. Or are singing pretty loud too. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was fun, and and they're great guys, and I think they're really, I mean, I don't know. I think they've just, uh, they've got something. They write great songs. Yeah, and, and it's I'm really working th- they're, right they're, now. Yeah, and they're yeah. really, yeah. you know, the social media aspect, you mm-hmm. know, the things they do, the whole. Hamilton, you know the mm-hmm. big show. My kids went, and, um, you know they led a bike, a huge bike ride down to the venue and oh really? Always pumping, oh, you know wow. Hamilton restaurants or the, the best cafes and I don't know. I just like their, I like their social media vibe. Yeah, they're on it. Yeah,
1: that's hard to get your uh, to get good at. You know, it's a it's a fine line. It,
3: it would be yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah. I don't really know much about. it I'm horrible at it. No, I, yeah, I'm awful. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Your insides are churning in your wake now So it's making it worse That you're falling down slowly Into a light sleep Filling with darkness But you look around first And much to your chagrin There's no one looking And no one to beat up No one to hurt I imagine you must have been hurt bad and held on to it So much that it burst There's people who loved you, or maybe there wasn't any who did Say lie in the dirt Waiting for strangers who acted all happy and seemed so so self-righteous Who'd giggle and flirt Couldn't you see it, what you were seeking The way to your future to your thirst Love was your answer From the things that are needed to qualify for birth That would be my vote No second chances here At least not for you And not on this earth
0: now you play you also play with it's a it's a foursome Campfire Liars Club
3: Campfire Liars Club yeah
0: is that like technically a, a band here's my
3: hat you can't see it but oh that says Campfire Liars oh. Club oh, right
1: Excellent.
0: <laughs>
3: uh, yeah it's um, or is it we don't a know what to call or it. Or like no we don't like collective it's certainly <laughs> certainly not a band
1: yeah
3: a group and um, yeah I've uh, been doing it quite a while but we don't do like it's just sort of casually if it comes up Um, um, so it's uh, me and a guy named Greg Ball who has put uh, three records out of his music Mm -hmm. Um, he's my guy and um, Jim Tidman who did one record with me probably do another Uh, and Joe Karskallen, who is in Greg's band and uh, we kind of forced him out to um, to sing so what happens is you know we're all songwriters so you know it's just like a songwriter circle kind of thing so we just go you know through the order uh, each of us playing our own tunes and then every couple of rounds we'll do a cover which is a royal pain because you know it's just whatever something about us our rehearsals just don't um, they don't go well we, we just end up having fun and getting nothing done. <laughs> so, uh, and it kind of turns into a part it's it's almost more a comedy show, really. It's just reactive um, commentary in between songs. I would say, because Jim is the host, it was his idea, Jim Tidman. And so he we forced him to say the first thing to host. He's very sincere, very unlike Greg and I in that mood. So as soon as... A, Anything, he says anything, we're on him right away. And, you know, it just ends up to be um, a lot of fun. So we do, like, you know, Westport, Ontario, and we'll do a private, we've done a few private parties. Um, You know, we we really have one annual gig, which is at Panchancha, which is a bakery that has a backyard, not a bakery, it's a restaurant, Um, and it's in downtown Kingston, has a backyard barbecue every Thursday through the summers with a band. So we do that once every August. And it just seems like we build some gigs around, like we played maybe, I'd say probably 10, 11 gigs over the course of the summer. And it's always fun. We're, just bu- we're fun. buddies. just to keep having fun. Yeah, we're buddies. It's yeah. more, um, we hang out anyway. Um, so it's a fun thing to do. Yeah. But there's nothing in the books right now, but generally that's how the winter goes. I mean, mm-hmm. but we've been doing that, you know, um, I don't know how long, but six, seven years. Oh, wow. Which... You know, so if I was on the road with a hip or recording or whatever, I couldn't do it. These guys work, so you know, um, full time in other areas. So, uh, but if a date comes up, that uh, Joanne, my wife, is our manager, mismanagement, and uh, if she gets some kind of offer and we're all free, then then we'll do it. But nice. nothing, nothing in the books right now. But we still, we still hang out. <laughs> and that's okay yeah yeah that's good it's, it's a nice little thing I found you know just that's
0: what it should be right yeah
3: yeah, yeah. I I didn't see it coming but um, sort of my comfort zone yeah I don't get nervous about it I don't dread it mm-hmm. I dread every Paul Lango game dread it <laughs> um, not dreading uh, with the Skydeers because yeah. I'm well, yeah, you're not, are you, are you running this today? No. Nope. I'm not ruining a surprise, but I'm playing with them tonight right. at the Horseshoe. Not dreading that because I'm, done, I'm doing two of my songs, one hip song. I know all the songs. It's not like a big Paul Langlois thing. Right. But if I have a Paul Langlois gig, I'm full of dread until, until I get a few words into a song. Right. And then I enjoy it and I enjoy it after. Hmm. But I hate Deleted. that I said yes to any gig today. <laughs> say yes to
1: did you do a lot of touring on the two albums
3: no i didn't
1: tour fix his head yeah uh
3: which uh as a strategy didn't work out too well but <laughs> <laughs> um no i just didn't uh well i had done it on my own too yeah i didn't really yeah. want to get a band together right but i did one uh tour on uh, not guilty the next record yeah and it was in the winter did 25 gigs in 33 days nice yeah, it was freezing cold, and yeah, <laughs> uh, and Greg Ball uh, and his band opened the tour, and we went from Halifax to Victoria. Oh, oh that's great! Yeah, and little clubs and uh, little theaters. I wouldn't say it's, it was incredibly uh, successful, but we had some good gigs. Yep. Yeah, played the shoe here, a horseshoe. Um, yeah, it was, it was a good thing. Not yes. necessarily something I'd be interested in doing again, but right. um, but you never know what happens. Sure. Yeah. yeah, so. That monkey's off my back, too. I did one tour.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What was the, what's the process like for, so Skydiggers tonight, they say, uh, can you do three songs or or whatever they said? Um, What was your process like for, for choosing those songs? If it's something that you do dread, like are there, are there songs you're more comfortable with or... Well, I'm comfortable
3: with the, because the Skydiggers, I did it a year ago where I played, because uh, Pete Cash, one of the songwriters, isn't uh, doesn't play with the band anymore, but he does sometimes, like he's playing at the Horseshoe. Mm-hmm. He, he wasn't playing in Kingston, and his songs, um, he's got a deep voice, so, um, and I can sing low like that, and so I was basically imitating Peter Cash, uh, his parts, mm-hmm. uh, on the three or four Skydiggers songs I did, and and then it was just sort of, I don't know, Broken Road comes as a natural choice, same with Not Guilty, and, mm-hmm. and they, I think both the Sky Skydeers, they they're, uh, they kind of got a big band now, and uh, it seemed like they enjoyed playing those, like a little sort of rocky kind of tunes. So, yeah, we had done it a couple times before, and then uh, the idea came up of me coming up for their annual Christmas horseshoe thing, and so it seemed to be a natural, but they asked for... Uh, those two songs. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these things when you're trying to make these decisions are just suggestions back and forth. What about this? What about that? Yeah. And, um, so I'm happy with doing those songs. You know.
1: Yeah, those are pretty good picks. Yeah, Broken yeah. road Live, that'll be all right. <laughs> Keeps it up. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: Keeps uh, up tempo.
1: That's great.
3: Yeah. So, um, no, it's fun, and I really like their their band. So.
1: Yeah. Well, Sky Diggers are wonderful.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Band. Yes, they are. Yeah. yeah. And I'd never been to their Christmas show, and I guess they've been doing it for. Yeah. Twenty some years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I had never made it. Uh, so it's nice that I watched the whole show last night. It's yeah. nice, it's good really good show.
1: Good turnout? Yeah.
3: Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Stuffed. Nice. The horseshoe not mm. stuffed. Mm-hmm. I thought, I, I, thought mm-hmm. I was done with that. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So but nice to be back there. They've Very cleaned good. it up a bit.
1: Yeah. But not too much. Not too much, yeah, no. Yeah.
3: Yeah. But when I was thinking about the gig coming up, like I'm going on towards the end of the set, mm-hmm. so and the, 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 you know, the backstage is like a little hole of a room. Yeah, oh, yeah,
1: yeah. So I beer. thought,
3: well, I'm just gonna be sitting here, you know, <laughs> drinking beer on my own, just, you yeah. know. Not liking it, but mm-hmm. they have actually they got the downstairs one now, right? Yeah, and yeah, they, well, yeah. now they have this window you can look out uh, oh, the office. Oh, a so window! I could right. actually <laughs> watch the show. <laughs> yeah,
1: so nice, quite a venue. Um, anything else uh, coming up? Uh, live performances, or is this going to be uh, it for the, uh, ticking the season off, anyway?
3: Uh, the, as far as I know, oh yes, I'm doing one thing on February seventh that I keep meaning to tweet about, but I'm, I'm I think I'm waiting to get through this. Uh, all these other little gigs I've had. Right. Uh, I'm playing with John McDermott, who is um, I'm not sure, I mean, a lot of people know who he is, but um, Irish tenor singer, and I've played with him a few times. We met at a golf tournament years ago. Oh, yeah. And I generally, uh, I've played, like, I played a CBC thing at the CBC a few number of years ago. Um, I was on one of his uh, records called Just Plain Folk um, and singing um, John Prime. Oh, wow. And because we just discovered um, after he was playing this golf tournament, like playing musically after the tournament, and he came up to me, he's like, do you know any John Prine? And I was like, I love John Prine. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, come on up. So anyway, we've we've stayed in touch, and uh, he's a great guy. I played with him. Uh, He played in Kingston um, a couple months ago, and I got up with him. Um, Anyway, I'm playing with him at Hughes Room in toronto on february 7th and he's, i think he's doing three nights and he's featuring a songwriter each of the three nights oh, so i'm cool. going on uh the first night on the thursday the seventh so i think he'll do a set we'll do a couple songs together and then i'll do a set sort of a just probably with his uh you know uh guitar player and bass player like sure, sure. A, uh be more of a quiet set so right. i'll do a few songs and that's the only thing in the books um yeah. Which is good for me because they, these things do come up a lot, and yeah, I, would I just got through, you know, along with that gig that uh, that you were talking about at the Vader Center and a few songs, which was a nerve-wracking thing. I did this other holiday jam thing um, two nights ago in Kingston, um, where I, you know, they pick a song, crazy cover, and I pick one, and so I did those two songs that I picked my way, by Frank Sinatra, and they picked. <laughs> Hungry Heart by Bruce Springsteen, <laughs> and I was like, "Ah, uh, I to do a better Springsteen, too? nope <laughs> you're doing Hungry Heart. Trust us. <laughs> anyway, so I'm actually, you know, I'm relieved to not have anything in the books okay, that's for okay. now, except yeah.
1: for the gig with, with John. That'll I think be too. right. It's the yeah. season for uh, laying back a little bit. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm yeah. things will come up. <laughs> yeah, things are gonna come up. I know it.
2: That you decide. In-
0: a personal favorite record from your own discography? Um, or is that like a is that like choosing kids? Like is that just yeah, a weird I, thing?
3: I don't think I have a, a personal favorite. You know, I did the set list, um, which I had never done before for this last tour. Um, only because I was living with Gordon, um you know, so I was getting his feedback and um and uh on the phone with the other guys, and we're just trying to figure out okay how are we gonna do this we, none of us ever said that this is going to be our last tour, but it was kind of like possibility mm-hmm. Gord wants to cover all the bases um yet isn't mentally you know uh, what he was and um so there were many challenges and um so when I did all the set lists, it was all kind of math in the end, and phantom power had the most Phantom Power played every night mm-hmm. for us because we did these uh, you know we do yeah. whatever six records a night four yeah. songs from each and um, Phantom Power we had enough like we did uh, I think nine songs as a guess maybe seven
2: mm-hmm.
3: where I could switch up the songs um, from night to night more so than other records I mean up to here we only had the four right mm-hmm. just for some reason it's not like it's Just the songs that we could do that no one would protest. and um, So, you know, I think that record was some kind of pinnacle of uh, mutual like, turns out, Mm -hmm. um, only because those are the songs that in general our older selves allowed ourselves to play and, and like it and feel comfortable. Um,
0: they all sound so good in an arena too. They just oh, yeah. sound so great, you know. Yeah,
3: it's just uh, I think we were we were firing on on cylinders, and we were we, you know after I'm not saying anything against you know foley or road apples or any of it, but um, we had kind of gotten through, um, and you know where it might be okay. Let's whatever you know maybe it starts to go downhill or something, and Phantom Power just kind of. I think just the combination of songs, working with Steve Berlin and Mm -hmm. In Our Place and all feeling pretty good. Um, Yeah, it just ended up... I wouldn't pick it as my favorite. I I couldn't pick a favorite, I don't think. But um, I mean, you guys said you're doing World Container next. Yeah. You know, I know that's... I know personally that's taking a lot of heat because Bob deservedly deserves a lot of heat. I hope you're listening, Bob. (laughs) But um, he did um, a really nice job and those songs i really liked it was a very difficult um uh, maddening uh record to make but the song world container i, I just holy shit i just feel like it's, it's we haven't uh, talked
0: about it yet so it's like yeah uh, it's like uh, like i'm trying to um co- you know put myself in a container so that we don't share our, our thoughts on right. it right yes, yeah of course like, what a, what a what a great record. Yeah, it's enormous. <laughs> yeah. There's, a,
1: there's a lot of wild energy on that album, too. It feels like maybe if there yeah. was a struggle in recording it, it came through in a really positive way, it's... it's yeah, I a, think so, yeah. Yeah.
3: It was, um, yeah, I mean, in those songs that we played, you know, are, are um, yeah, uh, we played them well. It's really, mm-hmm. there's some kind of cool tension to it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think some people would think it's overproduced. And you can make a case for that for sure. Um. But at least, uh, you know, the vocals sound great and the guitars, mm-hmm. everything sounds great. Yeah, yeah. I and think the
1: production fixed the, the songwriting for that yeah. album, you know? It, yeah, it, it, it was a different. And, and the time way period, too. It's 2005. It really yep. kind of.
3: Yeah. So, no, I like that one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's nice to, nice to have records you like. I mean, it's. Yeah. As I've said to my kids, can you imagine if, you know, I was in a band, you were. You know, embarrassed of or something. <laughs> <laughs> it could be worse.
0: <laughs> so just just to circle back on um, the the last tour for a moment, um, how how many songs would you guys normally take on the road? Like, would you guys normally have in your back pocket, um,
1: like, I don't like really, ready to go?
3: I don't really know the numbers. Uh, Sinclair would know best because he did it the longest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would guess we would be circulating or circling. Um, about 40 and this was about 90
1: holy jeez
3: yeah Mm -hmm. it was quite a and every set was obviously different Mm -hmm. Um, and we knew that every set was important Um, so um, it kind of had to come down to math yeah just to sort of tick off how many times are we playing Boots are, or up to here, and right. so. Whatever I sort of would lean that way anyway, but I I base it all on math. Just to okay, we got up to here. Road apples. Well, it's gonna be and. Um, what's the next one? Fully. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, fully wasn't in that category. I guess it was just up to. It was either up to here or road apples every night. I thought I had a third one in there. Anyway, um, so I, I put them all in different categories and then. Um, really, just filled in the spots, and uh, with a couple of yeah. you say in the
0: documentary; it's like a arts and crafts project that you were uh, that you were that you were doing with all the Bristol board. And well, stuff. Yeah, yeah, that it,
3: took uh, like I left it till the last second because I was desperate to get it done, and I started it too late. Before we were flying into Victoria, and to email everybody with pictures of all the sets, because I think everyone agreed. But I certainly felt like we we shouldn't be discussing the set list on mm-hmm. this tour. Mm-hmm. They will just just look at your BlackBerry <laughs> <laughs> or your device, and you'll see what the set is for Calgary number two. Right. And there were a couple little changes, but not many. Like changed a couple, added a couple in Kingston, but a mm-hmm. um, couple changes. I just of it because calgary we did change we switched from one to two one song but in general it wasn't a discussion uh which i think helped it was just like okay this is a set and we would sound check the obscure record because there was one obscure record in each four songs from
1: mm-hmm.
3: you know we are the same or four right. songs from uh, we categorized or i did the obscure records that were going to be a stretch for the band to play let alone for gord to sing mm mm-hmm. But Gord would work out, I've got to tell you, you know, every day. And, you know, he was going through, I mean, once he got through radiation, then I was kind of moving into tour prep, but then he had to do chemo, and that was a setback. And whenever he could, he'd work out, and he'd wear his headphones, and he'd listen to the most obscure, deep track hip stuff, and he'd come up, like, at 2, after working out downstairs, and he'd come up to me and be like, yeah, uh... I was thinking like, um, I can't even think of a deep hip track, but you know, <laughs> some crazy thing we've never even played before. And he'd um, be like, uh, I don't know, country day or... or um, Throwing a, off draw, glass or something. Throwing like off that. glass. Yeah. And I'd be like, hmm, <laughs> that's gonna be a challenge. <laughs> no but no, I think we can do and, and I'd obviously have to be on the phone later with the other guys saying, so Get throwing out class.
1: <laughs> You're kidding me. <laughs>
3: uh, but it was great because, and that's who he was in general. He was always pushing.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, so we, we managed to, or I managed to settle on listen, everybody, and it seemed to be something we all agreed on. We're going to do one obscure record a night, and we would have to sound check that record. Right. Because we hadn't played the song, and you know we did a couple of days of rehearsal um, in Bath beforehand. But you know, when we're about to play "Throwing Off Glass" at an arena full of people, we need to go over at least once. And so we would we would sound check the obscure record. Sound checks weren't uh, a joyous occasion whatsoever. Not think they ever. Are. <laughs> and I, everyone was looking at me like just
1: like. You. <laughs> Uh, so but we got through it I just was this a different way of uh, assembling a set list did you guys have it a little bit more uh, liquid or organic yeah. in the past it yeah. was kind of it was
3: more liquid I mean Gord would certainly consult but, but Gord Sinclair uh, mm-hmm. Gord Downey would um, consult if he didn't he would say something it didn't mm-hmm. happen all the time though right. so Sinclair would write them um, Robbie did it for a while
1: yeah
3: I think Sinclair did it for you know 20 some right. years yeah and, uh, no, there was, yeah, it was a little more fluid. There was a little less to, because it was sort of like you put out a new record. So you're going to do mostly that, mm-hmm. or not mostly, but, you know, six, seven songs off the new record sure. that you're touring. And so then the choices were a little more obvious mm-hmm. with this one. We were trying to play every record. Right. And, um, so the goals were different. We always like to change it up and we'd get bored if we didn't. Oh yeah. And, um, but, uh, yeah, less challenging mm-hmm. in the in the years previous for sure. Right, right. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, it was always great seeing you guys live. I mean, I would go back to back. I went back to back a couple of times, uh, Hamilton, Toronto, or something like that. Right. And yeah. the sets were they would be different. Like, so it was it was such a reward as a fan, you mm-hmm. know, to 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 come out and and see, you know, a I don't know, like a song that you hadn't heard before, or mm. it was like a, a real treat.
3: Yeah, I like that too. You know, there's no sort of repeated banter from Gord. And, um, you know, I think it's something we took a quiet, silent, private pride in, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like, yeah, we switch it up all the time, you know. And we also switched up from, you know, a club to an arena, back to a theater, back to a club, depending on where we were, what country, and that kind of thing. And so um, it just, that was one thing I think we were all happy with, that that we were... Able to, um, you know, have the opportunity, but also be be good at um, playing small or big, because they're two different things. So um, yeah, that yeah. would
1: keep you very versatile to be able to bounce back and forth between those kind of energies and how to project to a, a mm-hmm. huge audience, but how to and stay intimate. You know, that's a yeah,
3: yeah, especially the the you know playing big places mm-hmm. um, is is uh, an adjustment. Sure. Yeah. So but changing it up is is something because I've seen bands, artists uh, that don't and I don't know I think you'd kind of go insane if you were a guitar player or something (laughs) sure sure.
0: well Uh, now that you have these resources like there's a resource setlist.fm where you can like type in any any tour Mm -hmm. any date and it'll throw up the setlist oh I see yes yeah, I have seen that it'll show you and like I mean it's even got statistics like, you know, like this, this song has been played this many times by this band, et cetera, et cetera, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Oh, okay. And there are so many tours that you see with bands where it's just like, it is, you know, 20 dates in a row. It is exactly yeah, the same. Yeah, the whole way through. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, yeah. Encore break and, you mm-hmm. know, um, uh, the City Rocks break or or right. whatever, you know, like yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. And you guys just did not do that. So.
3: Yeah. And I, I, yeah. We were happy about that. That was. Um, that was a, certainly a consensus thing. Everyone wanted to change it up.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, it was just a matter of um, how to do that and not make the show suffer, you know? because right, sometimes, right. sometimes, you know, you don't want to, you know, replace Little Bones with, yeah you know, Fiddler's Green or something, you mm-hmm. know? You can replace Sweet Kings with Fiddler's Green, but if you're going to replace Little Bones, you know, let's look into the rock territory. Yeah. So... Uh, it could be challenging. Gord Sinclair was great at it. Um, same with Robbie, but it was just situational um, that I did it for the last one. Nice.
1: Yeah. A question, uh, something that you said was well, sort of a question and a, mostly a compliment. Uh, uh, you're talking about George, uh, Gord having to push and you know wanting to do something maybe like throwing out glass and trying to you know uh, artistically push. And I think talking about those albums, World Container and uh, Phantom Power, you guys were at a, a stage where you were quite beloved and kind of you kind of phoned it in uh and album after album which has been great for us to go through as well the because we, we we look at you know what was going on musically at the time and the releases of of all the hip albums so this is sort of an idea of what the climate was right? oh, i see and, yeah, yeah and you guys just it was such a it's such a treat as a listener that there, there was always so much effort in the albums there you know to not repeat what had just happened and also to not just do what was going on uh, was well, that was it like a, a conscious decision to to kind of cut off what had happened on the previous album and and go in a new direction? Because there was a, a, a little a, a winding road for you guys, and it's really impressive. Mm. Well, thanks, thanks. I'm glad you think so. Um, it, I don't
3: know how conscious it was. I mean, we certainly well on two hands. Probably it was a conscious choice to change producers a lot. Mm-hmm. Um because they do bring different things to the table different sure. treatments and we're, we were a um, you know a mystery to them right. how how it all worked and mm-hmm. who was what and everything <laughs> and you know it was a mystery to us too it Just yeah. we just remained natural and remained trying to make great songs mm-hmm. um, so I think some shifts happened because a producer would go one way and not the other right um so a lot of times it was where we were um, you know because we we recorded in other places besides Mm -hmm. Bath, and um, who we worked with Uh, so a lot of those changes were everybody just naturally changing you know the ideas you're bringing in to the band which Mm -hmm. were generally small ideas that the band would sort of then play they seemed to work the best Chord um, changing, people changing up, sound gradually going one way or the other. I think mm-hmm. there there are many factors, but we never really sit down, other than, to talk about okay who's going to produce this who's right. who's on our wish list here yeah um, you know but I think Bob uh, we worked too with him and I think he thought there was a need to switch it up from world container to we are the same. Mm -hmm. Express that
1: yeah those are drastically different albums
3: yeah Mm -hmm. there wasn't something necessarily I I agreed with to to do it so consciously right Um, not that I don't like it I think yeah it uh, it worked out but it seemed a little more uh, yeah a little more of a conscious decision right a conscious that that somehow that emanates if Mm -hmm. it didn't before now listening to me right um, in my opinion, it was it was uh, <laughs> evident. Right. Uh, and no offense, I do really like that record too. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just... Uh... Anyway, so we... Yeah, I think just the shifting of, of producers, of venues, going to different places to record, being in different situations. But I like what you said about not mailing it in because um, everyone cared when we were in the studio, really about each other. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I was... And anyone would, you know, Johnny really, you know, if he put an idea out there, you know, it's, you're putting yourself out there. Right. Same with all of us, you know, everyone, but we were always nice to each other. You know, it wasn't like, I don't like that idea. It would just, it wouldn't come up again. Right. To play.
1: Yeah.
3: And then you'd know. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, so <laughs> that one didn't work. Copy that. All no, right, moving on. <laughs> you know, you try it a few times that day, but then if it's yeah. a two day session, you know,
1: Yeah.
3: it's sort of like no one was like hey what about my idea mm-hmm. that was up to everyone else right? to sort of say hey I really like that one from yesterday let's try that so uh, and I think that saved us uh, a lot mm-hmm. just in personal costs we were always you know always tried to be kind to each other as far as our playing and writing and we stayed out of each other's kitchens for the most part oh, that's and great. only a fast Yeah. You know? So so uh, that helped yeah. to stay together
0: Yeah. Well, a tremendous legacy, tremendous, tremendous career. I mean, there are not a lot of bands that, um, were putting out, you know, high quality stuff in their 30th year, you know, and and touring on it. Like, I mean, the list is, I don't know that there's any other bands on that list, like, frankly, you know, it's very slim. Um, thank you. So yeah, you guys have a lot to be proud of. And there, uh, there are just so many fans out there that, um, are, are thrilled with everything you guys have done and, uh, we're so grateful for your, for your time today.
3: No, thanks. I'm glad to be here. Glad, glad to see you guys doing this. I'll be checking out some, some of your thoughts. All right, cool. great. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right, well, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Paul. Okay.
0: Fully and Completely is a Modern Superior podcast proudly sponsored by Long Slice Brewery. To rate, review, or subscribe to the show, visit Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, or anywhere else you get podcasts. For more information about the show, our guests, or Jamie and Greg, please visit www.fullyincompletely.ca. To join our Facebook group, visit Facebook and search for Fully Incompletely.
1: This episode has been brought to you by the Modern Superior Podcast Network.